Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about everything investing in real estate, and today I've got a special guest that will talk to us about his experience about purchasing industrial properties. My name is Peter Leung, and I am a global real estate investor. I own, invest, and develop properties around the world. You've probably seen me in videos or on stage working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business and angel investor as well. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at I am Peter Leung. And it is on Facebook where I share ideas, videos, and inspirations as I in journey to intergenerational wealth. And if you've got any questions, email us at podcast at IamPeterLeung.com. Or for those who have deals and want to joint venture and work with me, send deals to deals at IamPeterLeung.com. So without further ado, I want to introduce my friend, a, a serial entrepreneur, Brian Fong, a Vancouverite entrepreneur, owner of 72 Hours, which is a emergency supplies business, the largest in Canada to join me today, not only to share his business acumen, but his views on industrial real estate. Brian, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Peter. It's a great honor to be on your show today. You're welcome, because you are an incredible man. You're a young guy that has huge ambitions, huge goals, but have not only have these dreams and aspirations, but actually put them into execution has now become the largest in Canada. So congratulations. Thank you, Peter. So Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself, how impressive you are, what you've done. I mean, you've got so much to share on so many different levels, but tell us about a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you've done. So I started when, um, my business journey when I was, uh, in first year and second year in UBC was when I started and, um, I was really bored with school. And so, and I didn't have any money at the time either. So it really motivated me to try to start something to make money. And at that time I had literally had literally had no money. Like a lot of people don't believe that. Like I tell that story, but I've got a lot of friends that can like, vouch for it like it's, it's a real story a lot of people don't believe it but i started with 200 dollars in the bank account which i borrowed from my mom to start and within the first month i was able to make 1500 bucks in the first month i i started business and i just kept going and i never really looked back so it's, it seems like it's one continuous journey all the way till now and i'm still very motivated to keep going at from that point to now right I well You've done, you've done amazing. I mean, you've, how, how long has it been from the time you started till you, uh, till today? It was so your 11, 12 years, 11, 12 years. Yeah. And in 11, 12 years, you've bought multi property, um, yeah. in that 11 to 12 years, you've actually bought three industrial properties and you're, you're going bigger. You're only going bigger. Um, yeah. so here's the thing, Brian. So you've built a eight figure business, right? In 11, 12 years. Why do you care about property? Why is this important? Because, I mean, you've got a, a thriving business. What, what, what about property interests you? Why do you care about this? So I think my goal as an entrepreneur is to achieve as much as I can. But there's going to be a day where I don't have that same motivation and I don't want to climb that mountain any further. So my, my, my thinking in real estate is that if you have a very solid real estate portfolio where you can collect long-term income you really don't have to put in a lot of hard work to reap a lot of benefits and i just really look at it from a, from people around me such as like landlords that i see around me they're really not doing much they just put in work maybe 20 years ago and to this day they're just collecting rent 
they're just enjoying life, but they're still living a, the same life that they were before they were retired. So they're retired, but they just, all they do is really collect rent, which is not very heavy. It's hard work, man. I mean, I could tell you yeah. it's hard work. I mean, I gotta go, I gotta go look at the bank account. Yeah. I gotta, you know, make sure the figures are all there. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I just need, I, I need to make sure, right? So it, it's hard, heavy lifting, Brian. <laughs> no, but no. I actually look at you like being one of my role models. I, I see that you've put, put together a portfolio yourself. And I feel like, you know, that is hard work, but compared to running a business, that's, I think that's easy work because you're getting passive income and you don't have to really chase that active income. So, even so I'd rather be looking it, at bank statements than uh, call, talking <laughs> to customers or running around doing meetings. You know, you still have to do that if you want to grow your portfolio, but the time you have a good portfolio and you just collecting rent. And if you really don't want to push further, then it's, it's a really nice nest egg to have. But I mean, I'll, I'll, you bring up a really good point. I just want to interject here. I think that uh, sometimes though, to be fair, um, I think there's, an, there's a sense of reality of people thinking, you know, uh, yes, landlords don't have to do very much, but I'll be, I'll be, you know, wanted to interject here with one thing, like with COVID-19, you know, I've had to really, you know, dig yeah. deep as to, you know, working with tenants, you know, actually work with, on their business plan work on their strategy. How are they going to come out of it? What are they going to do? How are they going to be able to get out of it? Like restaurants, how they can implement the things that they can implement, you know, in terms of takeout, in terms of delivery, in terms of prepackaged meals, in terms of service, in terms of cleanliness, all that has to be reamped. So as a tenant, um, you know, sure, they, they're renting a place, but I think a serial landlords, professional landlords, professional investors are also doing, you know, a lot in this time to make sure that their portfolio continues to perform, but also at the same time for this is going to solidify their base. And for landlords that are not serious, for landlords who are non-professional, just amateur investors or people who just take it casually, uh, they're probably going to sell the, those properties. And that's an, another opportunity for us. You know, Absolutely. I think right? so. it makes sense. Well, I guess it's like the thing where the grass is always greener on the other side. So I don't really see that because I'm not in that position where I'm a major landlord and I'm collecting a lot of rent. So I, I don't see that the challenges. Absolutely. That makes well, total sense. It, it, let's just say this. We'll call it a truce. I think business <laughs> is hard to run. I think, you know, a business in as a professional landlord too is hard. It has its challenges and has its, uh, you know, uh, problems too. But at the end of the day, uh, what we both strive for, and you and I as, as good friends as well, is that we want to be able to, you know, sustain and build a longevity in our business and our lifestyle, right? Yeah. I'd like to add one more point. So what I've, I kind of think is that it's very hard to be, like, get in the position where you're very good at buying the right properties. And so, like, that is a very, very high skill thing that needs to be super developed, something that I'm still learning. Like, I'm not nowhere near that at that stage where... I'm very good at spotting the right opportunities. So I think that's, that's the hard part of being real estate investors, just to have a great eye for opportunity and not think that everything, because I think a lot of investors too, they always see that things are, and I, myself included, I always think, oh man, this is so expensive, but is there still room to keep going? Like that's the key. It's not about how expensive you think it is. It's whether the market can keep going. And I think that's where an experienced investor like yourself or other experienced investors have that eye to see when things people think that things are expensive. Maybe it's just beginning. Right. Okay. So that's a big, what, that's a big thing. For, okay. For so, so with that being said, I mean, that leads perfectly into our discussion of industrial property. Yes. Right? So Brian, 
what do you, I mean, obviously, you know, 72 hour is, is, is the largest and you need, uh, you know, storage capacity and yes. you need logistics and everything else. But, you know, what do you see for industrial properties as a whole? So I think that I'm in e-commerce, so I know how, 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 how much e-commerce is growing. I think demand for warehouse space will continue to, to grow in the near future. Meaning the next 10 years, you're not going to see a downtick in industrial demand. And because of that, industrial real estate is going to be a winner, especially in metropolitan cities. You have Amazon wanting to do last mile delivery. So they want to, they want to deliver to people within a day. So they have to have warehouses, large warehouses in main cities. And Amazon can afford to pay a lot of money for those spaces. So that's going to drive up the prices. Landlord are, Landlords are going to want to buy it because it's a secure investment. And you also have government, especially in Vancouver and in other areas in North America as well. You have governments very, very against rezoning agricultural land into industrial real estate, which is causing huge shortages. So many businesses are competing for the same piece of land. And I think one more thing driving the trend up too is Lots of industrial land is being converted into residential townhouses, which further exasperates the demand. There's more people wanting the product and there's less and less of it. And lastly, I think that conversions of warehouse into office spaces is happening at a very rapid rate too. So in Vancouver, you can see that article, I think a couple of years ago, article.com just signed a very big lease to rent class A office. They, they, they probably should have been in class A downtown office space, but instead, they're using the, a huge building that's a warehouse actually before, and they're turning into a shipping center as well as office together, which actually increases efficiency a lot. So a lot of businesses are combining the warehouse and the office together to increase efficiency and productivity. Which is exactly what you're doing. Yes, exactly what I want to do and am doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So... So with that being said, so you're, you're thinking that um, industrial space is going to be more and more in demand ultimately because yes. of e-commerce. And is that sort of the mega trend that you see with industrial properties? I think the mega trend that I see too, in addition to e-commerce is automation and AI making things. If you're going to have a lot of robots in the world, which is going to be happening in the next 10, 15 years, large warehouse spaces, the more larger the warehouse space, the more efficient it is to put, put automation in it. And therefore, when you see automation, it's going to be a bigger, bigger growth trend than just the e-commerce. So I think e-commerce is the precursor of this. And then you have the AI robotics where, where it's going to be a lot of labor being displaced. I think manual labor being displaced and companies consolidating and getting ever bigger through, through AI and robotics. Okay. So you, because of that, now you're looking at, uh, how you can acquire more industrial space. So what's, what's your strategy here? And, you know, in general, you know, uh, I mean, I, I know that, uh, Brian, you've got a, a lot of aspirations to buy a lot more property, a lot more industrial, certainly. Yeah. So tell, tell us sort of what the, what the strategy behind this is and how, how are you going to take advantage of it? I think as a business owner, and this is, this is, this is, this applies very well to business owners. It's a very good idea to buy industrial real estate because you can use your operating income to buy the real estate banks are going to be very it's not hard to get financing if you have operating income to operate and my strategy is to find industrial buildings 
in good areas that are in bad condition. So I don't mind putting in the work. So I like to buy something at a discount, but I want the location to be great. And I want to be able to put some of my own money in there to renovate it so that let's say I use it for a few years, I outgrow it, I can lease it out at a higher cap rate than previously. And the best would be if the piece of property is future rezone potential. You know, as as um, cities get more, to become more dense, densely populated, is the better the area, right. the more expensive it's going to be. So you see it as a holding, as, as a holding land play as well. So not just really, you know, getting the property and then utilize it. Basically you get to use the property for free. Yes. And after five, 10 years, you can literally resell the property or actually lease it out or even rezone it. So that's your multiple play strategy. Um, that, that's the secret. Absolutely. And I think another good strategy too, if I find the right people and, and right investors that I'm interested in, is to co-invest with other people because I've seen that been done to very great success just around right. me. There's people around me. I've recently, I'm in Burnaby, our business is in Burnaby. And recently I know a person that bought a industrial property with four other people doing the exact same thing I, I just discussed earlier. They paid 6 million for it and they recently sold for 11 million within four years. Within so four years. And they basically used it for free. Not only did they, they got paid to use it. They did. And now they're looking for the next building for this 10 million and they're looking to do that again. So these people just, they join together, they have a common goal and then they use that, they use the combined buying power to buy something that they couldn't buy individually, thereby making more money than they would have if they've bought, if each of them bought a $2 million building or a one and a half million dollar building, they wouldn't have got that same level of return right. as combining together. So I feel like that's also one of the great strategies is to combine with like-minded people and get a bigger buying power to get more percentage right. per person. So it's winning together. Okay. So, so there's an investment play, certainly for, for this podcast, where we talk about entrepreneurs and investors, that that's a perfect merge for it where, you know, if you have that business or, you know, you have that ability to finance that land, you're able to, to own that piece of property and, and essentially be able to flip it on or even utilize it for, you know, fractions of a dollar. So Absolutely. that's, that's how you're scaling as you go along. Do you see, that in this particular case, Brian, that um, you, do you see that there's a trend of bigger properties being more profitable versus smaller warehouses? Like, I mean, I know you mentioned that just now, but do you see bigger warehouse actually fetching much bigger dollar, like, you know, uh, multiples rather than smaller buildings in this case? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think the first thing is if you look at a per square foot basis, smaller warehouses are going to get more dollars. However, if you're a major real estate developer and a lot of industrial property in Burnaby, Vancouver, you can see that it's being upzoned into higher density industrial, especially in Vancouver. There's a lot of property being, even in Seattle, right? Like they're building multi-story industrial buildings. So they're not going to upzone something that's a smaller piece of land. So if you want that future rezone potential, whether it's staying as industrial, because that's just as profitable, they're building Prologis, right? Which is the biggest industrial industrial developer in the US, I believe, they're building four-story Seattle, like in Seattle, like three, three-story warehouses that are 26 feet that's never been done. But people in Vancouver are looking at the same thing. And once that model becomes adapt adapted, more people, they're going to tear down old industrial buildings and build more five-story industrial. Mm. 
And you, you can only get that play if you join in together to buy a bigger one, because normally those warehouses are, we're talking are 50 to 150,000 square feet. You, you need, you need multiple people to invest in that. Right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know, but Brian, we also invest into things like, um, you know, um, storage facilities, right? So yeah. storage is another big sort of industrial play uh, in Absolutely. terms of self storage or, you know, um, you know, that type of thing. So we're, we're big investors into that as yeah, well. I got something to send you after this then. Well, I got something to show you. So I'll send you something after this. If you're into storage, I, I something this uh, fell across my table the other day. So I'll be sending it to you shortly after this. Cool. And storage is amazing because at the end of the day, it's the same thing, right? I mean, you're basically able to take very big space, chop it into very small space and lease it for a very decent uh, profitability. And yet you don't, and, and yet people leave their junk in the storage and that they never come back again. Right. And, and they just keep paying for it. Absolutely. And I think Vancouver being that we're going to get more high rises, that's just going to be a continued trend as the high rises keep coming up. The storage facilities have to join it, Absolutely. have to come up at the same rate. You got it. So, so Brian, how, I mean, I'd like to open this up for, for, for a discussion with you. How does industrial properties compare to commercial and residential? I know that you're, you, you, you love residential, right? Yes. I, I know that. So, yes. um, you know, how, how do you see industrial versus commercial or residential plays at, at least currently and at least for the foreseeable future? Okay. So I think that for commercial properties, you have to look at the cap rate because that's kind of burn rate, right? You're going to burn through cash very quickly without a good cap rate. But I think for residential properties, it doesn't matter if your burn rate is high, you're strictly looking for that quick capital appreciation, or you're looking for something with a high rezone potential in the future. And so you're not really thinking about cap rates when you're dealing with residential real estate, because you know, if, you're, if it's your primary residence, for example, you're not going to pay any tax on it. So you're looking at residential real estate as a play where, okay, I'm going to try to buy this at X discount. When, econo when the economy recovers, I'm going to get X percentage profit. As you can see, like, I think all the data points to that I've checked points to, for example, if you invest in Vancouver, residential real estate, within 10 years, there's pretty much no way to lose. But if you can buy on the dip, you can gain that, you can get that upswing within, within a, if you can time the market in the right way. So I think residential is more about timing the market and then commercial is about finding something with a decent cap rate or something with an okay cap rate, maybe renovating it a little bit, getting a better cap rate and holding until, you know, the land becomes more valuable or the area becomes more valuable. So you can go for either, I think too, like cap rates, like, I mean, you could buy like, industrial property in a crappy area five years ago, but your rent has doubled. Okay. So I just want to cover this up. So, so when you say cap rate, just wanted to bring this up. So cap sure. rate is basically how much rent over yeah. how much the total asset size is. Yeah. So that, that's what cap rate is. So, yeah. so you're thinking commercial strategies are going to be mostly about cap rates. Residential is going to be about upswings. And uh, I think I jumped, I jumped all over the place too. So like I got to clarify my thoughts a little bit too. So I think for residential strictly about, capital appreciation i don't think there's i don't think in my opinion i could that's just what i would do i don't i wouldn't even think about i just think about capital appreciation for residential and for commercial you kind of want to mix right you don't want to be too cap rate centric too either i don't think being too cap rate driven is, is a smart move because appreciation is something that is, is very important too okay so because you're I a can, guy you, you want you want as big as growth as you can yes 
But okay. I think that if you get the right property, you can get decent cap rates and get a big lift when, when the time comes. That is that's the best. Okay, so so let me ask you this then. Uh, you know, from from that perspective, Brian, you being an operator, you being an, uh, a landlord, you also having your own properties and and some sizable ones. I know um, where. Where would you, would you say that residential is for smaller investors? I mean, some people have asked me that. Do you think residentials are smaller investors, industrial and commercial are for larger investors? Or is there, is there really, you know, a sense of size for the type of investor? Or is that really just goal-driven in your opinion? I think it depends. Like, I think that, in my opinion, I think it's always better to invest into commercial real estate in the long term. And so if you already have a house, I don't necessarily think it's, it's good to maybe buy a second residential property or third or fourth. I feel it's better to, to if you're going to do that, it's better to invest in a commercial. And I don't think commercial is necessarily for bigger investors because you can have people combine and invest together uh-huh. in commercial properties. You don't have to do it on your own. That's the good thing about commercial. You can really do it with other people. And if you join in with the right people or you, if you buy the right properties in commercial, you can really get a bigger gain than residential. A lot of times it makes more sense as an investment. Right. There's plenty of instances where I think residential real estate, I think you have to be very, very savvy with residential real estate because there's, there's lots of instances where I could go days, day, days and days on where I've seen people make no money on residential where if they have negative, negative and people are just looking at it from a perspective. Like, what if I had something that was three hundred thousand dollars in nineteen ninety nine, and now it's twenty twenty, and it's seven hundred thousand? On paper, that seems like a great investment. But if you look at inflation, how much did McDonald's go up in in this time? Let's use the McDonald's as an index, right? If if you can't even buy the same McDonald's meal twenty years later, then I would classify as that as, as a negative investment. And there's actually a lot of negative investment, even for a market as hot as Vancouver there's a lot of people making negative investments in, in, in the market. Okay. So I think residential really has that, has that problem. If you're thinking, if you're not savvy enough, you could really not make any money. Whereas commercial is kind of, I feel like it's harder. Like you still get like, you still get some money. Okay. So you, in, in this case, you would, catches up. So in this case, you're mainly focused or at least to, you know, going forward more in commercial property, which includes the industrial side of things. Absolutely. Um, you know, going forward. Okay. So, Tell us, tell us about this. I mean, this is your, your big thing is, is financing of them, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of people go, well, I don't have a lot of money. I'm, I'm not thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, actually, as a matter of fact, as, as you and I both know, financing commercial properties could be even easier than financing residential properties. So can you share with us how you've been able to do it? So as a business owner, the bank really likes to look at consistent profits. So if you're able to demonstrate consistent profits year over year, the bank is, in many cases, makes it very easy for you to get a loan. And the best thing is, for example, I'll use my property right now that I'm doing. I'm getting over 100%. They're even financing the renovation aspect of it for me. And so I'm putting zero money down. And there's very favorable terms. You can even do 25 years mortgage plus two years just interest. So that stretches out your whole time horizon in your mortgage so that you actually make inflation work for you instead of the other way around. You're about to tell me, you're about to tell me that the yeah. bank paid you yes. more money than the amount that you paid for the property. 
to use it. Yes. And because the first couple of years, it's more, we, we did um, interest only. So it's even cheaper than rent. Paying rent literally is cheaper than rent for the first two years. So it's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I, I will mark those words. And that's why you're successful. You look at it. And so you're basically looking at using operating income, uh, to allowing you to qualify because you have a business. And, and right now, all governments around the world essentially are going to be pro stimulus for businesses, actually operating businesses, because yes. at the end of the day, they need those businesses to continue to hire. They need those businesses to survive. So there's going to be more incentive, more enticements, more opportunities for operators that have businesses. Am I right? Absolutely. And I think, yeah, just with right with, with governments are very, yeah, very pro business. So you get a lot of favorable terms and it's just, you just have to use it. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. So last but not least, Brian, where would you see um, the industrial market in the next 10 years? Are you seeing that the demand is going to continue to increase? The amount of consolidations um, in that space are going to get bigger. And so therefore the demand and supply basically is going to drive up prices. Is that, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And I think with e-commerce too, and I think this like for, for bigger warehouses, you're going to have, and it's already happening, right? I see that all over the place. A lot of companies are being bought up. So they used to be in a 5,000 square foot warehouse. They, um, one company buys up two companies. Now they need a 15,000 square feet. So because of all this consolidation. And also another factor that's driving up the prices is also that with the internet, even if I was in an obscure location in, in, in the city and I was in an industrial building, I could pretty much operate a retail aspect out of there too because I could just drive traffic through the internet anyways. So being the internet, as long as you're in the location, even if you're on a small street that's nearby a SkyTrain or you're nearby major landmarks, like a big street, you could still drive traffic into that location. And so smaller properties, industrial properties of all sizes, it's, it's just going to keep growing because people are, are finding more use for them. They, they could, you could use them as an office. So multi-use. You can right. use a multi-use, and I think a lot of people need that mix-use space. And they don't necessarily need office space, necessarily. Very cool, very because cool. Home offices are just as fine as office space, right? But the reason why people want the warehouse space is because they need a work area to do certain things in that space, too, too as well. Okay. They need to make their manufacturing, like doing light manufacturing. Okay, so Brian, before we cap off here, do you have any last words of wisdom to share with us? as to your investment strategy or your investment horizon or what you're seeing in the marketplace? What I'm seeing in the marketplace, I think it's, it's, it's a very great opportunity. It, this, this whole thing that's happening in the world, I think is a great opportunity. I don't think look at it as, as anything bad. It's actually great if you're an investor. It's, time, it's the perfect time to start. Okay. Perfect like, time to start. Perfect time to start and perfect time to get going or increasing your portfolio or it's, it's the time to get to work and it's not time to rest right now is, is, is really, really time to get to work. I've been working harder than I have in the last couple of years now because I feel like the opportunities are coming. Okay. So let me ask you one time. final question. One <laughs> final question. Yes. Is, is timing more important or is location more important? Timing. I think timing. Timing. I mean, that's why that's why you're a winner man that's why you're a winner <laughs>
because I believe timing is more important than location. Now, I'm not Absolutely. saying, you know, of course, it's not one or the other, but yeah. timing first, second location. If you can, if you identify the market right now and you yeah. decide to do something, for those who are listening, decide to go do something. This is going to make a world of difference five, ten yeah. years later. Absolutely. I mean, now it's like, it's like, a, it's like those opportunities. Like you, you hear people say 10 years ago, they did this. And then 10 years later, where they're at 10 years later, this, this is the type of time where if you actually take action, instead of just like hiding because you're scared, that's when you're going to get the big results bigger than you usually would get. Right. Okay. So Brian, how can they get a hold of you? If anybody wants to learn more about your active business in the basis of uh, emergency supplies or how can they get a hold of you if they want more information or knowledge over um, over investing in industrial space so they can uh, email me at Brian b-r-i-a-n c-h-f-o-n-g at gmail.com so that's the best way to reach me fantastic thank you Brian really thank appreciate you. you being here sharing your expertise your knowledge now I wanted to ask you some questions too but next time we'll save that for next time I, right, right. I want to ask you. <laughs> okay. Sounds good, man. Thank you very much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, guys. And th for those who are listening, thank you for joining us on Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur, where we make all the difference in investing in real estate. And Brian is a classic case of a experienced investor making a world of difference, young guy, but making all the changes he can to adapt to the world. So guys, let's go out there and make this thing happen.